This is the MLW Radio Network. Alright guys, what is going on? Mike Freeland here from Front Row Material. and We got an action-packed bonus show for you. We are going to be talking about everything that was last night in the Wednesday Night Wars. So strap it up and get ready because we're going to talk about it all. I have some extra time on my hands due to the the quarantine, the lockdown, whatever you uh, are referred to it these days. But anyway, we had a big night last night on uh, Wednesday Night Wrestling. Well, maybe I should preface that. One show had a big night. The other show, not so much. We're going to get to that. First thing I want to talk to you guys about, and, and just get your opinion on this. Once you hit me up on social media and let me know what your thoughts are. What are your take on wrestling shows since the quarantine and the lockdown have gone into effect? Do you still like them? Do you think they should show reruns? Do you think they should show old pay-per-views? Or do you think they should still continue to show live shows even though there isn't an audience? Now the reason why I kind of lead into this with this question is because it seems like there's a lot of fans out there on social media who A, do not like the fact of empty arena shows. There is a portion of fans who do like the empty arena shows. And then there's a group of people who have actually said on social media that they like the replays of maybe older pay-per-views, of other big matches that have occurred maybe throughout the course of the year, that if you don't have the network, you don't have access to see. And I don't really think there's a right answer. I don't think there's a wrong answer. I think at the end of the day, it really boils down to what your preference is. Now, is this style of wrestling or what is being... Uh, portrayed to us as the wrestling product, uh, what we're used to. Is it the atypical? No, it's not. It's not. It's it's definitely different. And I can see how it can ruffle some feathers one way or the other. So when we first found out that there was going to be this quarantine when it was originally, you know, gatherings of, I believe it was like 100 people or, or less, and then it got down to 50 people or less. And, and some people are saying now that it's like down to 10 or less. Well, WWE decided to move everything to the Performance Center, and I watched SmackDown, and I had some feelings about the the, the first SmackDown I saw, and then obviously Raw. I'm not knocking WWE because I know they're probably trying to do the best they can under the circumstances, but it's so awkward when they light the whole building up, the Performance Center, and you see a ton of empty seats. I think that makes things very awkward and uncomfortable. Let me know what you think about this. Do you feel like lighting up the arena is kind of a cool effect, or do you feel like it's kind of 
throwing it in your face that no one's there. Now, I know that Triple H has been doing a lot of overtime work from what I have been informed, and he's trying to do the best he can, but it's just not working. I don't really think fans are really digging this whole empty arena thing. And I feel like in a lot of ways, it has a lot to do with the way they present it. If you guys remember way back in the mid-80s, even in the early 80s, those matches, especially in the NWA, especially in the Crockett territory, where everything was dark except for there was like a, a large spotlight that was on the ring, and you really just focused on the performers, and they didn't really light the audience Back then, you really couldn't tell who was out there outside of hearing them. Now, do I think that that could work again? I do. I do think it could work again. I think camera angles play a big factor in all of this. How you choose to run your production plays a big factor on this. Because the matches themselves are the same. They're still putting 110% effort out there each and every time. That's not the problem. I think the problem is people already know it's an empty arena. You don't really need to continue to harp upon that. You don't need to open up a broadcast and and say, this is historic. No one is here. We we already know. There's no need to go over that again. And we're going to get into the WrestleMania talk because I know we talked about it on the main show, but I, I definitely have some additional sentiments I would like to share about WrestleMania and the new news that has recently come out about what is going to be happening with WrestleMania. But let's kind of get into what happened last night. So if you're an NXT or a WWE person, you saw a different type of show, which WWE released a statement and they said that they were going to be doing some things differently now. And yesterday was was basically a package show, which meant they were going to show highlights and different uh, pre-produced packages. Um pre-produced interviews, stuff like that, that were going to be hosted uh, by Todd Phillips and Triple H. And that's okay. I mean, as a recap show, isn't bad. I feel like they probably realized the way that they were doing the live shows without an audience just was not getting the reaction that they were hoping for. Now, like I said before, it's a very difficult thing to pull off. And so when I saw the first two uh, WWE shows, Raw, SmackDown, I kind of had a really bad taste in my mouth about these empty arena shows. I thought, oh no, this is not going to be good, especially when it comes to uh, AEW, which they're a new company. This could not happen at a worse time for them. And what I mean by that is right now they're trying to garner an audience. They're trying to establish their footing in the wrestling world. And to have a pandemic happen in your first year is not good. You're already dealing with we got to find our place, we got to find our spot, and we have to grow, and we have to work on our roster, and we have to hone our product. Now you're dealing with this, it just seems like it's it's a lot to overcome. So with that being said, they changed the venue from Rochester, New York last night, and they went ahead and they switched it to the Daily Center, or the Daily Place, I believe it's called, down in Jacksonville. And so before the show went on, I said to myself, don't have any expectations, just go into it. It'll probably be somewhat like Raw and SmackDown, so just just brace yourself for that. But guys, let me tell you something. I was pleasantly surprised with the way it was done, and they didn't have to do a lot of different things to make it a quality show. And what I mean by that is 
Remember a couple seconds ago, I was talking about production value and tighter shots and better close-ups and really eliminating showing the arena itself. I think it made it more intimate. It made you feel like you were watching a more typical wrestling show. We didn't see the seats. We didn't see the arena. And the other thing I thought was really cool is they had the other wrestlers from the locker room out around ringside. You know, the heels were heckling the baby faces and back and forth. And you got the, some close-up shots on different interactions between the different stars. I liked that aspect of it. I thought it was good. I also think it was good for the performers that were in the ring to at least hear some noise. You know, so they could kind of play off of that. I give MJF and so much credit for what he was doing. And Sean Spears and Billy Gunn and his son and Colt Cabana and Joey Janela, everyone who was out there and they were really playing it up as the spectators around the ring. I thought it worked. I think it worked great. So the tight camera shots worked really well. The fact that we did not portray ourselves to be in an empty arena. We, we said, hey, this is going to be different. Um, but we didn't really highlight. We didn't focus on that. We focused on what we, we came here to see, which was wrestling. And they did an excellent job on that. There was a lot of things that I was a little nervous about as far as how you're going to pull some of these things off. Because wrestling, as we all know, is very much an audience-based event. A lot of it's audience-based from the chants, from the cheering, the wrestlers feed off of that. There's singing that goes on. There's there's everything. And the audience is just as big a part of the show as the wrestlers are. I mean, we even talk about that when we talk about ECW. I mean, without those ravenous fans in ECW in that arena, ECW really wouldn't has been as memorable as it was. What do we remember? The crazy fans. We remember those chants. We remember those moments. And when you look back at what happened last night on Dynamite, God, I wish that could have been a live audience there because what they delivered was incredible. Now, there's a lot of people on social media that are saying, man, could this be the best Dynamite ever? And I don't know if I would go as far as saying the best Dynamite episode ever, but it's not that far behind. And there wasn't an audience. So it starts to make you beg the question, you know, even though some things may be increasingly difficult to do, it doesn't mean that it's impossible to do. I liked it a lot. I think the matches were really, really good. I think they continued to motivate storylines. And once again, they did not harp upon the fact that no one was there. So let's kind of go into it. Let's kind of talk about, since WWE's NXT last night was basically Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gorgano and basically what their feud is. And they were talking about some packages with um, Finn Balor. And that was basically it. It was a package show. There's not really a whole lot that I can go off of. There's not really a whole lot that I can comment about that because it is what it is. It's it's basically a recap show. I feel personally like it was a filler show. But let's go into what happened on AEW because I think that was a very definitive moment in AEW's company because last night proved that they have the chops to stand up to adversity. So we start off the program with Cody Rhodes in the ring, and he basically gives a speech about not living in fear and about giving the best quality product that they can offer. And so right now, instead of me telling you about it, let me go ahead, let me cue up the audio, and this is Cody last night before the program starts. Let's take a listen. I have never thought of my world as 
small before. But recent events can really put into perspective how small we all are. It has also clarified for me how big and how important the service we provide is. And the irony in what I'm about to ask is not lost on me because I'm about to ask three of the best athletes in the world to discard their petty differences, to put aside those squabbles and to stand together. The irony, it being March 18th, 2020, and us as human beings need to stand together. And for many of us, that will mean standing at a distance. We have to be informed and we have to be held responsible by health and science, but there is a profound difference in that versus living in a prison of fear. And I refuse to live in fear because that's not living at all. And I don't know about you watching at home. I feel alive and I hope you feel alive. Now that you've heard the sentiments of Cody Rhodes, what's your thoughts? Do you agree with him? Do you disagree with him? Do you think that he sounds like he's being defiant when it comes to the health of everyone, especially within his company? Or do you feel like he's just using common sense and he's not buying into a lot of the hype that's going on right now? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think that this is a fabricated, made-up illness. It's clearly real. It is very real. But I also believe that common sense when it comes to the way we as a society have handled this situation has been poorly done, poorly handled. As far as being careful and being smart and using good hygiene, we have now implemented absolute fear within people. People have a lot of different illnesses that happen all throughout the course of the year. The flu is extremely dangerous. The normal flu is very dangerous. But we've really, really taken this one to the next level. And I understand being lawful and listening to what the government is telling you. I understand that. I understand what it means to listen to the local municipalities. I understand what it means to make sure that you, as an employer, are doing everything you can to keep your employees safe. I understand all that. Now, whether you agree with it or disagree with it, that's just the way the, the rules are right now. We are living by a different set of rules. Now, my opinion on the Cody Rhodes statement is this. I think he's basically saying, hey, guys, listen, we have to be smart. We do have to listen to science and medicine. We have to make sure we're making good, informed decisions, but we cannot live in fear. And what I think what he meant by not living in fear is by just completely shutting yourself out from the outside world, by not going out. You don't have to go to large gatherings, but you can still go out. You can still live. And I feel like there is a lot of fear out there. And I feel like in a lot of ways, in my opinion, the media drives this. But I think Cody's trying to tell people, listen, be smart, be careful, but you don't have to be paranoid either. That's my take on the whole thing. Now, Ryan Satin, uh, who is a wrestling journalist and uh, now works for WWE, made the, the following comments on social media. He says, I realize AEW had wrestlers sit ringside tonight to enhance the wrestling with no crowd, but how did most of these people classify as essential personnel? Should AEW be risking public health to have talent sit 
in the arena as fans, especially older guys like Tully and Jake Roberts. What's your thoughts on Ryan's comments? Do you agree with him? Do you disagree with him? Do you feel like he's potentially biased because he works for WWE? I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Hit me up on social media, at Mike Freeland, M-I-K-E-F-R-E-L-A-N-D. Let me know what your opinions are, because at the end of the day, you guys are the ones that matter. You guys are the consumers. You are the fans. You're the ones buying the merchandise. You're the ones buying the tickets to go to events. You're the ones that are driving all of this. You are the single most important entity in wrestling. Do not ever forget that. It is not the wrestlers. It is not the promoters. It is not the television stations that cover it. The most important aspect of professional wrestling are the fans. And if anyone disagrees with that, I would love to hear what their stance is. Because at the end of the day, fans are just as important as the wrestlers are. They can make or break a character. They can either get on someone's bandwagon or jump off of it really quickly. So that, that's my take on that. I think he's a WWE guy now. I think he has an opportunity to watch the other product. And it's a competition, whether we want to call it that or not. You know, AEW says that we're not in direct competition with WWE. We're just an alternative. But it's clearly not the way WWE looks at AEW. They clearly look at them as direct competitors and a threat to the wrestling empire that is WWE. So let's kind of get into what was Dynamite yesterday because you know what? Outside of Cody's initial statement, which I, I think spoke volume, and once again, I already shared with you that I did not have a problem with it. Let's talk about what did happen on Dynamite. I think a great match was Lucha Brothers versus Best Friends joined by Orange Cassidy. Lucha Brothers right now have worked in AAA, they have obviously worked in Impact Wrestling. Now they're here in AEW. They are phenomenal. I think they are one of the best tag teams currently in the world. Why? You're probably saying to yourself, well, what makes them so special? What makes them special is if you watch a Lucha Brothers match, they can adapt to any style of their competitor, anyone. They are very entertaining. They are not only ground technicians as well, but they're also high flyers. They're also great mat technicians. They also have really, really good submission holds. The Lucha Brothers are able to tap into different genres. They can do strong style as well. And I like the fact that their outfits are extremely colorful and entertaining. I like that aspect of it. But they themselves are just very enjoyable to watch. Now, flip side, best friends. What makes Best Friends so enjoyable, at least in my opinion, to the audience? Best Friends are just those two guys who you, they've known each other since high school and now they're in their 20s and they're doing their thing. That's the way I look at them. And they got their buddy Orange Cassidy and they, they say what's on their mind and they just have fun and they do the big hug. And what's really appealing about Best Friends is the simple fact that people can relate to them. And what have we said from day one in wrestling? What is the most important thing that connects wrestling fans and the wrestlers together? Relatability. If you can relate to somebody, you are much more likely to support them than you are somebody who you feel like sees themselves higher than you or better than you. 
But you know what? That's wrestling. Everyone has a has a role to play. But I like this, and I think best friends are going to be tag team champions. I do believe that. I really like their talent. I like the fact that they say what they mean. I love the fact that Orange Cassidy kind of goes back and forth, and he does his own thing. He walks to his own beat. This was a great match. I really would have liked to have seen best friends win, especially because I think they were kind of on a roll. They kind of had some momentum going for them, but came up on the short end of the stick last night. I still think it was a great match. It was a lot of fun to watch, but you know what? You can't win them all. Orange Cassidy was there at the broadcast booth, and I think it was fun just to kind of see him put his feet up on the table. And then when he went ahead and interfered in the match, I thought that was great as well. Because every single faction, group, tag team, whatever you want to refer to them as, they have a specific part in this whole machine. And Best Friends has a big part in the machine. Orange Cassidy has a big part in the machine. And Lucha Brothers has a big part in the machine. And when you put all these pieces together, what you're going to do is you're going to meld all these different talent talents from all different disciplines. And you're going to have a great product instead of... And I, and I hate to say this, the WWE way, which they train you the way they want you to be. They create you. They, they seem to have a very difficult time with accepting people for who they are, even if they were something else prior to WWE. And I think being able to be yourself is a very attractive aspect of people wanting to come to AEW. We're going to get to that because that ties in very well that, uh, that dovetails itself really well to the Brody Lee and then Matt Hardy situation because, once again, you're going to see two people who were part of a system that didn't have a lot of say-so in what they were doing and what they were wanting to create. Now they have say-so in what they are doing and what they are creating. And time will tell how well they will flourish in that. But I think both guys are, are so good at what they do and so talented at their craft, I think they're going to succeed very, very well. We're going to get a soundbite of the Brody Lee promo that he cut as well. And uh, I'm sure that you probably understand there was a little dig there. Uh, at Vince McMahon, but we're going to play the clip so you can hear that. But let's go on to our next match, which was the four-way match in the women's division. And you know what, you guys? I know a lot of people have said recently that the women's division in AEW probably is the weakest and it needs the most work. But you know what? I think last night's match really shows that it is coming along. I also have some very critical sentiments on Riho. So you know what? Let's get right into it. All right, so it was a four-way dance or four-corner match. I mean, whatever you want to refer to it as. Um, it had Sheeta, Penelope Ford, Riho, and Chris Statlander. Now, the women, I think, in this match that probably were the ones people were focusing on the most was Hakira Shida and Chris Statlander. I don't really think people are on the Riho bandwagon very much. And I don't think people know enough. The sample size has not been large enough with Penelope Ford for people to really get behind her too much either. A lot of these women have had more matches on AEW Dark, which is fine. But I think the more you get exposure on the main show Dynamite, I think that's when people are going to be able to be exposed to you. They're going to understand your character a little bit better. They'll understand where you're coming from. They'll be able to read your promos a little bit differently. And they'll either get emotionally invested in you or they won't. 
Hikaru Shida is really good, a Japanese wrestler. She has a lot of athletic moves. She's a high flyer. I feel like her talent supersedes her charisma. I think that she's definitely still coming around. I think she exudes uh, exactly what you're looking for in a female wrestler. I think she can do all the things that you're looking for from a physical standpoint. She can grapple really well. She can do the high flying as well. There's really no lull in the action in a match with Sheeta. Now when we go over to Rio, I think Rio is a little bit different. Rio definitely keeps the action moving, but I hate to say this and I hate to be the one who sounds like I'm putting her down, but she reminds me too much of, of a very young, very young woman. And it doesn't help that, you know, she's been doing this since nine years old. So, I mean, that's unbelievable that she's been doing it that long already. So she has a ton of experience. But she's just too happy and smiley and happy-go-lucky. I feel like she's kind of in that Bailey category when Bailey was all about the the hugs and the smiles. I think that we need to get another layer of Rio's personality before people are really going to get behind her. I mean, the lovable 98-pound girl who was the first ever AEW champion is okay, but that's going to quickly wear off unless there's some depth to that character. Now, Chris Statlander, on the other hand, has worked in many different promotions. She is an accomplished wrestler. She definitely has the physique. She definitely can carry herself very well in the ring. She has an established character. She does have the personality as well. So I think when you look at all of these, this was basically a big audition to a national audience to see who were they going to gravitate towards the most. I think Statlander didn't really have a whole lot that she had to prove in a match like this. I think it was basically to see, you know, where Penelope Ford is, to really see what do we have here in Riho? Do we have something that we can build upon? But at the end of the day, Hikaru Shida wins the match. I give her uh, a lot of props right here. I'm really excited that she's an AEW. I think Penelope Ford didn't have one of her better matches. I think she had a couple of uh, moments there where she might have had a couple miscues. She definitely tried to recover from that. I give her credit for that. But it just didn't work out. Rio, once again, I feel like she is very talented, but the believability factor just isn't there. I feel like Chris Statlander is probably her, and Sheeta are the two best ones in that group right now, and I hope they continue to push them and give them more opportunities to be on Dynamite. Just my take on that one. Let me know if you agree with me. I know a lot of people have said, man, AEW women's wrestling, really not something that I want to watch right now because I think we've been spoiled with NXT in the women's division because they are so good in the women's division. And I think when you have people like Charlotte Flair and you have The Man and you have Rhea Ripley and you have so many women who are so good at what they do, I feel like we almost are spoiled and we we look at other women wrestlers and we hold them to that standard and we think man can they do what the women on WWE can do and they're different people I mean they're going to give you a different product it's not going to be the same I think their women's division is coming along I think it's definitely made strides since the promotion has opened I think they still need to land some other big names and I think they will in time but once again, it's a work in progress, but I'm a big Chris Statlander fan. I'm a big um, Sheeta fan, and hopefully Penelope Ford, she has the look, let's be honest here, but she just needs to start putting it together, and I need to see a little bit more from her on the mic, on the microphone to really start to invest in her as a character. All right, moving on, Lucha Express, which is Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. 
uh, defeated the butcher and the blade. Man, I a lot of people crapped all over the butcher, the blade, and the bunny when they first debuted in AEW. And I really don't know why. I think a lot of people thought it was too 80s gimmicky type of thing. But when you look at the Butcher and the Blade, they're so good at what they do. The Butcher is a throwback, obviously, to a 70s wrestler. You know, he's got the facial hair. He's got the body, the tattoos. He really looks like somebody, like I said, out of the 70s, probably down south. He's got a different build to him. He's not that typical you know, I go to the tanning bed, I wax my body, you know, I, he's not going to be that guy. He's a rough and tumble guy. He looks like he probably worked on a ranch, has the, uh, I, I guess it's a Fu Manchu mustache. It looks really cool. And then the blade definitely has a great body on him. He moves really well. I would compare him probably to, and people may agree or may not agree, with somebody like a Finn Balor. I think he's kind of on par with that. Now, Lucha Express, they're over right now, you guys. I don't think there's anything that that they can't do. Um, Luchasaurus is one of the biggest guys. I think they even said he's the biggest guy on the AEW roster right now. Jungle Boy, Jack Perry is is kind of the heartthrob in that mix right there. So they got it. It's perfect. And then you throw in Marco Stunt. It's just a, a grouping of guys who get over, who are really, really enjoyable. I know the, the kids like uh, Lucha Express, or I'm sorry, Jurassic Express. So I think they're going to push them really, really hard. Now, the Butcher and the Blade, love what they're doing. I love what they're doing. And I'd, I'd hopefully like to see them continue to get some more wins here because they're a great heel team, a really good heel team. And then we move on to uh, a moment that, I don't know, maybe people expected, maybe people didn't expect. It was... The Exalted One. The Exalted One. Now, for months now, AEW fans have been teased uh, by Uno about this Exalted One. The leader of the Dark Order was finally going to appear on AEW television. And rumors started to float around pretty quickly who was going to be released or who was asking for the release in WWE. Then we started to play the whole uh, who fits into this character the best and Brody Lee's name came up quite a few times, and it, it was Brody Lee last night. So, you know what? It was, once again, a moment I wish would have been on television because I would have loved to see what the audience was going to respond to. Brody Lee had cut a promo in a pre-produced package that I thought was awesome when he came, before he came out. And so let's go ahead, let's go to that clip, and then let's kind of break it down and talk about it. Now I hope that the AEW production team is as smart as I believe they are and they focus on my eyes so that I may talk directly to my people. Fellow Dark Order, the Exalted One is near. And when he arrives, he will breathe new life into the Dark Order. My brother Stu Grayson, Alex Reynolds, and John Silver I've done my bidding in preparation for this wonderful night. And tonight, their eyes will open and they will see what evil Uno sees. Because I have promised them the arrival of the Exalted One. But more importantly, I have promised you the arrival of the Exalted One. And evil Uno never lies. Evil Uno never breaks his promises because Evil Uno cares about you. 
together. We are one. We are one. And the exalted one is near. The exalted one is near. The exalted one is SCU, Frankie Kazarian, Christopher Daniels, who have had no shortage of trouble with the Dark Order. Please, in the name of all that is holy, would you stop running your mouths? Evil Uno, it's been like this for three months straight. Every chance you get, you get a microphone in your hand and you tell lies. I'm so sick of these lies. You talk about how you're gonna make someone's life better. You haven't made Alex Reynolds any better. You haven't made John Silver any better. You haven't made any of these jackasses that wear your masks any better. All you've done is you've wasted our time. You've wasted these people's times watching at home and we're sick of it. We are sick of it. And the biggest lie, the biggest lie that you've told is that there is an exalted one. There is no exalted one, Uno. It's just you two. In fact, there's you two. I would like to take this opportunity to introduce myself. I am the exalted one of the Dark Order. In a very short time, you will be up to speed on just who I am. I'd first like to state that the new rule of the Dark Order goes like this. We do what we want, when we want. And if I want something, I take it. And I'm going to put it in a different way because maybe the stupid out there didn't understand. If we come and knock on your door, you open that door and you let the Dark Order in. And if you don't, I personally will kick that door down and lead the Dark Order through it. Seems to be a little bit of silence. Maybe you don't understand. Let me make this one a little more personal, a little more tangible for you to feel, Mr. Christopher Daniels. Oh, you thought you were safe, didn't you? The is now the word is out, Chris. You are very unsafe. All your jokes, all your games, did you really think you were going to go unpunished? Mr. Daniels, I assure you, you are not the first out-of-touch old man to not believe in me. But I will make damn sure you are the last. Now let me take this time to formally introduce myself to you, Chris. My name is Brody Lee. And I am the Exalted One. All right. So we heard from Brody Lee, the Exalted One. Are any of us surprised? Are we surprised that it was Brody Lee? Some people thought it would always be him. Some people thought it would be Matt Hardy. Some people thought it would be somebody in the AEW roster. Some people actually were telling me thought it could be Cody Rhodes. You know, it's interesting in wrestling, very rarely are we ever as fans surprised or caught off guard by something. And somebody asked me once, well, why is that? Why are there no more surprises anymore in wrestling? 
Well, there's a couple of reasons why. First of all, social media has really exploited the fact that when wrestlers' contracts are coming up, injury angles, stuff like that, somebody's getting written off of television, the curtain has been pulled back so far right now that, and I said this in one of the episodes on the main show with Mikey and Jerry, that free agency in wrestling is, is really no different nowadays than free agency in Major League Baseball or in the NFL. It's just the way it is. We know it. It is a part of wrestling, free agency. When someone's contract's coming up, we notice when... A wrestler will say something on social media. Oh, looks like they're pretty upset. They're probably not really, really happy with their booking right now. Oh, we can tell somebody's getting buried on TV. Man, either their contract is coming up and they're not going to resign, or creative just has nothing for them right now. We already see these things coming because as wrestling fans, we keep up with everything that's going on. I think there's more news that happens outside of the television broadcasts than what happens when we're watching televised broadcast. There's a lot of integral parts that play into that as well. And I think with the advent of social media, specifically Twitter and Instagram, fans know more about the superstars than ever before. And nowadays, it seems like superstars are more willing and more likely to speak up and speak out and speak their mind about how they feel about contracts, how they feel about their character. And this has been very, very apparent with Brody Lee. You know, Brody Lee was part of the Wyatt family, which was one of the most popular and successful factions in WWE. I loved the Wyatt family. However, when they decided to break the Wyatt family up, things didn't really go so hot. A lot of times, a faction is strong when you have different elements that are put together, but when you break them apart, you quickly realize that they were stronger together because none of them can solely stand on their own. And I think we can we kind of ran into that with uh, with Brody Lee when they put him out there as his own character, Luke Harper. But I still think he was really good. I think WWE just didn't really have a whole lot to do for him, and I think that's sad. And we've seen what they've done with Eric Rowan, which is, in my opinion, a joke. You know, they had him tagging up with, or the spokesperson, or whatever you want to call it, with Daniel Bryan. I didn't think that worked out really well. And then he's carrying around this fake Muppet tarantula looking thing. I think that's hokey as hell, in my opinion. And then, obviously, you know, Luke Harper was just kind of in limbo. You know, they had them as the Bludgeon Brothers. I liked it. I don't know why they decided to break them up and try to have them go into singles runs. But they did, and it didn't work. Because Creative didn't know how to position them. So what happens is they end up putting all their eggs in the basket of Bray Wyatt. Okay, it's not really working out with these two guys. Let's see if we can salvage this. The Bray Wyatt character, if you remember, he went away for a long time. And they really weren't sure what they were going to do with him. And then they bring him back. And now he has the Firefly Flunhouse. And then he has the psycho weird clown gimmick, the Fiend. And that was really over for a long time. And then I think at a certain point it started to drift off. And then it, it it got killed, in my opinion, in the last Saudi show. But getting back to Brody Lee, I think when you listen to what he said in that promo, you know, you're not the only old man who didn't have faith in me. I think it's something to that derivation. But I think he's really going to be able to express himself now in AEW from a creative standpoint. I think we're going to see a lot more than what we saw with his character Luke Harper. And I think it's going to work really well. And I'm excited about this. I've always been excited about the Dark Order. I like that cult concept. I like that a lot. I think it's going to fit well 
with the AEW fans. Because right now, the Dark Order doesn't really seem to have somebody that people can really gravitate to, if, if that makes sense. I mean, not that any of the guys that are in the group aren't talented, but you need that centerpiece. And I think Brody Lee is going to be that centerpiece. I would have loved to seen what an audience, a live audience, would have done with this because this was so well done. I liked the way they modulated the voice in the beginning, and then as the promo continued, they started to peel back the modulation, and it ended up being his real voice. And then when he ended up pulling back the veil, it was him. It was just good. And then the lights go out, and then he's in the ring, and then they just tear up SCU. I thought that was so well done. So well done. And you were so engaged in what was being portrayed to you here that I actually forgot that there was nobody there. There's these certain moments when it comes to wrestling, and and we all remember them, that you get so engrossed in actually what you're watching that you forget everything else, and I think that's what they did so well. AEW was able to suck you in to all their storylines this past week. And I think that's why so many people think it was such a great quality show because, you know, not only did you have really good matches as well, but you had the exalted one. We found out what was going on with that. And then we're going to find out exactly how does Matt Hardy play into all of this? Because everyone knows Matt Hardy showed up last night as well. I thought it was so perfect the way they did this. So let's go ahead. Let's throw it to the clip where Matt Hardy Broken Matt Hardy is shown on screen for the first time. How was he introduced? How did it all go down? And after that does, we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about it. So let's throw it to the clip. Matt Hardy, Broken Matt Hardy, is revealed to the AEW universe. We knew that we had the advantage as the inner circle. There's four reasons, man. Number one, we just beat you for the match right there. We got the advantage on that side of things. Number two... We're in a circle, right? Right? Here's number three. I just made a decree that I'm banning all fans from all future AEW events until I say so. I don't care if the world changes tomorrow. The last thing I need, the last thing we need is a bunch of pumpkin-headed dipshits chanting for Cody or chanting for Matt or Omega or Hangman. So they're gone. No fans allowed. And the fourth reason, the most important reason is after what we did to your snot-nosed little brother, Matt Jackson, yeah, the elites only got four, and the inner circle, we got five. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> you don't stand a chance, man. You don't stand a chance. So what we're going to tell you is this. When blood and guts happens, it's inner circle. Look at this, look at this, come on. Sa- Sammy, 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 get on his back. Go down your back. Look at this, look at this, look at this. Oh, that's hard. Do one, do one, do that, look at that! Look at that! Don't, oh, don't forget. There you go. Don't forget this. We've never had a problem in the inner circle. We've never uh, 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 spoke a crossword to each other. We've never hit each other with each other's move accidentally. We've never drank at ringside and got a little buzzy. Never. So there's no way that we haven't shown a crack in the armor. We haven't done a thing except for win. We've dominated the AEW, 
We've dominated the elite. And when it comes time for blood and guts, we're going to dominate blood and guts as well. They're going to pay us a lot of money for this. It's the truth. That's right. That's right. What you looking at, Brandy? What you looking at? Huh? What you looking at? Stand the other side of the, uh, the uh, gate there, Dustin. Scares me. Scares me. Right? Huh? Sammy. Tell them how hot you are. Tell them how sexy you are. I mean, just look at me. I'm a Spanish guy, baby. Hey, if you want to hit me up, Brandy, I mean, oh. Oh, come your on. man's a loser, so go for it. Exactly. And the funny thing is, my favorite part, is if there was five... What? What's the... Oh. Wait a minute. Well, what do we have here, Chris? See, a lot of the stuff you're saying it happened to be true. We've, we've had our problems. But one thing, there was one mistake right there in your little speech. The elite isn't outnumbered, Chris. That's right. It's not, it's not just four of us. No, no. In fact, I made a phone call to a, a friend who owed me a favor. Hardy appears on AEW programming, and obviously it's an audio clip, so you don't know exactly uh, how it portrayed on the screen, but I'm sure you can go ahead and watch the replay, catch it on YouTube, it's all over social media. I think this was so well done. This might have been the best surprise that I've seen in wrestling for a long time. And did we think that Matt Hardy could go to AEW? We did. But we also were kind of thrown off the path here because, you know, we had heard that he was taking a booking, doing other appearances, and he had made some comments that he had been offered an opportunity to go to NXT. Where would Matt Hardy go? And so as much as we thought he would come to AEW, it wasn't 100% sure. So when he did show up, just with the the drone coming down, which was so awesome from an aesthetical standpoint, and then when you had, you know, I I have a, a favor, a friend of mine, I had to call one in, and all of a sudden, 
you know, you, you see that they, the piano starts and then they pan way up into the rafters and there he is. It was so poetic. It was beautiful. And from what I heard on social media, it, it was Matt's wife who was playing the piano uh, for that whole uh, segment right there. So it was so good. And the announcers sold it so well. I will give Taz and JR and Excalibur a great, great do of credit because they really made you believe it was such a big moment. And it was a big moment. You know, Matt Hardy's been around for a long time, but it's a big moment for AEW. And because the broken character, the broken Matt Hardy was so popular so long ago, it's going to get reintroduced into a brand new audience. And I think it's going to do wonderful things. So I loved it. I cannot say a bad thing about it. Chris Jericho is gold. I mean, when he goes off on people and the way he sold it with that close up of of when Taz looks like he saw a ghost, it it was just so well written, so well done. And it sets it up so well. And I thought it was funny when Jericho also made the comment about he is banishing all fans from AEW uh, events until further notice. I thought that was so cool to do as well, working it into a storyline. So AEW was firing on all cylinders with this angle right here, and I was so excited about it. So that ended up closing the show, and it left such an indelible impression. You know, I'm sure not only on me, but a lot of other wrestling fans as well. And God, I wish that this whole coronavirus, whatever thing, was not happening because, you know, I would have loved to seen how an audience could have reacted to this because it would have blown the roof off the place especially with the Exalted One, and then obviously with Matt Hardy. So, so exciting. I loved it. I mean, where do you go from here? Well, obviously, it's going to depend on what happens in the world. You know, a lot of people have been mentioning on social media that they didn't say next week on Dynamite. They said on the next Dynamite. And some people were wondering, what does that mean Dynamite's not going to happen next week? Or is it going to be a few weeks? A lot of people are speculating. Guys, I think that Tony Khan is a very smart man. I think that the Bucks and Cody and Kenny are very smart. They're going to listen to what is recommended for them to do, and they're going to do that. And I think it's great. But the way they did this was so well done. Um, I almost had a flashback of like Bash at the Beach when Hogan came out to uh, to be with the Outsiders. I mean, it was it was a, a big feeling. And some of you may say, "Well, I mean, Matt Hardy's not Hulk Hogan," and Whatever, but it, I had that same feeling. I had that same excitement again. And I think that's what AEW is doing right now. It's giving fans an alternative, which they say they are, but it's making people excited about a product again. And, you know, we've heard rumblings, whether you want to believe them or not, that at some point in time, WWE may sell the company. And you've heard, you know, some potential buyers. And I think that WWE has been on top for so long. And I feel like, unfortunately, with Vince McMahon not being around as much as he has been, um, I've heard, and I'm sure you've heard as well, the different rumors that he only shows up to uh, SmackDowns and uh, he's only there twice a month and he doesn't show up to Monday Night Raw anymore. That could be because he's highly involved in Alpha Entertainment, or it could be just because, I mean, reality is he's getting older, and he's trying to delegate some of these responsibilities to other people who he feels confident that can still run the WWE products from week to week. But I think AEW is a formidable foe, and I feel like they are going to take 
huge strides in 2020. I mean huge strides. I feel like they, so many times I've thought to myself, this is their coming out party. And then I see another, there's their coming out party. I'm just so impressed with it. So I know that I sound like I'm just drooling over AEW, but I'm just excited about wrestling. So, guys, that's going to do it for this bonus recap show of what happened last night. Obviously, NXT being a package show, and then all the drama that unfolded with AEW. There was an interview also with Jake the Snake Roberts, and that was really good as well. If you want to check that out, I definitely recommend that. And just watch the show on a replay as well, and just look at the, all the interaction with the different wrestlers outside. There was an interview with Colt Cabana, who is obviously going to be pulling double duty in AEW as a coach and as a performer, so awesome stuff. All right, guys, that's going to do it. That's all the time I got right now, but I hope everybody is safe. Continue to look out for each other. Check on uh, your older friends and family members and neighbors. See if they need anything. Right now is a time when we need to come together and we need to support each other. And with that being said, support the independent wrestling scene. Go to ProWrestlingTees.com. They are having sales. Go ahead and pick up a shirt for your favorite wrestler. Hit them up with a DM. Let them know you're thinking about them right now. Because these wonderful men and women have lost so many bookings and so many money-making opportunities that we as fans need to give back to them for everything they've given to us. So, you know what? Do it. Buy yourself a shirt. Buy a shirt for a gift for somebody. Man, even buy a gift and send it to somebody else, uh, another wrestling fan who, you know, may be having a difficult time right now. Let's continue the passion that we have as wrestling fans. We talked about a lot of things. Love to get your feedback on everything that was discussed. Brody Lee, Matt Hardy, the AEW Dynamite show that was so superb last night. Tell me what your feelings are. Maybe you disagree with me. Let me know what you think about NXT. We've got so many things to discuss. Hit me up on social media. I am at Mike Freeland, M-I-K-E-F-R-E-L-A-N-D. Don't forget to tune in each and every Wednesday to our Mothership Show, and that's Front Row Material, each and every Wednesday morning at 5 a.m. on the MLW Radio Network. All right, guys, that's going to do it. I will catch you later. The world of MLW Radio never stops.